This is the UK House Builder and Developer from Good to Great series with Gerard Ball, Managing Director of Human Capital Group, helping you build your UK house building teams and businesses fast. We find the top 15% of talent in the market by harnessing the power of big data, 24-7, 365 digital automation platforms and inbound strategies. Leveraged by 20 years successful mid to senior level recruitment experience. SME house builder Troy Homes was launched in 2015 by former Banner Homes FD and CEO Richard Worth. Here, Richard gives Gerard a very personal and detailed insight into the building blocks of his 30-year career in the industry that have allowed him to start Troy Homes from scratch and nurture what he calls a team business. He explains the intricacies of building the right team for future growth, how to cope with the frustrations of the planning system, navigating the financial assault course of setting up and running a property developer in today's market, and shares his hopes for the future of the business and the industry. Hi, I'm very pleased to give a warm welcome to Richard Worth, the CEO of SME Troy Homes, a business which he set up in October 2015. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get into discussing Troy Holmes, what I'd like to know about is, is about your background, first of all. How did you come about coming into the house building industry? I started off as a chartered accountant at Stoy Haywood when I was clearly very young in 1982. <laughs> and I got bored in auditing and went on to their corporate finance team. Right. There I got exposed to various companies, including house builders, one of which I floated, which was Banner Homes. Okay. Banner Homes got floated in 1987. Okay. It got floated at the time of the stock market crash and also the biggest <laughs> storm we ever had for many years. The fortunate thing was I floated the company the day before the crash. Right. So Banner Homes was a successful flotation, mm. whilst many others failed afterwards. <laughs> as a result, the uh, CEO and chairman asked me to join as their FD, right. which okay. I did. Um, so I became the youngest finance director of what was then called an unlisted securities market, right. USM, which is equivalent to AIM today. Before my time. Before, <laughs> before your time. Yeah, just going back quite a few years, over 30 years. You've obviously got the pedigree behind you. What, what did you do directly after the flotation of Banner so you became the... Well, I became the finance director and I worked as finance director under the CEO for many years really doing initially finance roles and then subsequently acting as the MD of the company. Because the company was very much controlled by one individual, Stuart Crossley, I had to do what he wanted to do, which included commercial, because we went through a recession and the commercial market helped us out of the recession, including working with very difficult banks over the rest of the period. And ultimately, we then started a business in Spain developing houses and so that was quite exciting I had quite a few trips over to Spain seeing how the Spanish do things Mm. manana and um, where's the the site plan we don't have a site plan the land is approximately here so we had to learn different standards but it became clear that Stuart Crossley wanted a different vision to me Mm. with Banner Homes so we split Banner Homes into two one became a commercial company called Comland and the other was purely residential, being Banner Homes. Mm. Stuart then took over Comland, and I had the opportunity to do an MBO on Banner Homes. 
right. uh, which we did in 1999. So that was very successful. Mm. It was one of the first in the industry doing an MBO right. public to private. So I had to get it funded. <laughs> 3i helped me there because um, of relationships over time. Right. And so we were an early public to private company which, with many which followed later. So that's quite exciting. So I became MD or CEO at that time and a significant shareholder in the new private business funded by 3i. Right, okay. Okay, so vast, vast experience there. So my knowledge of Banner Homes was then building really fantastic products and then the sale of the company to Carla Homes, which I'm yeah. sure you would spare. So, well, you? so our idea was to not be just a normal volume house builder. Mm. So the focus was on quality and to really exceed customer expectations. So we grew the business with that objective, opening three regions in the end, and ultimately we went to sell the company. But just before that... Right. We were going to float the company in 2008, right. which would have been pretty much 20 years since Banner originally floated in 1987, but the stock market crashed again. <laughs> so 20 years after the last crash, we had another. And so that got shelved. I couldn't float a company in a falling market. Mm. And for those who rem- remember... 2008 to about 2010, 11 was the most disastrous period Mm. for house builders. We were all um, wishing we were in a different industry. Mm. So we finally sold in 2014 to Carla Homes, but we didn't float, which was a little bit disappointing. I would have quite liked to float. Mm. But by this time, our major shareholder, which was the Prouting family, and Peter Prouting was quite old and he wanted to see cash coming back to the family in order to sort out his um, legacy. Right. So the sale to Carla was the preferred route Um, and as they owned that time around 70% of the company, they had their way. Right. So Banner Homes was sold in 2014 as a successful sale. Um, Again, quite a rare sale where a House builder buys another house builder. Right, yeah. Normally, it's private equity who buys house builders, mm. but this was um, different. Carla wanted to get ready for what could be their flotation, and they therefore needed a bigger southern presence, and that's what Banner Homes provided to them. So we gave them a unique opportunity to grow their southern market quickly. Mm. Sadly, I then had to go because right. they didn't need two CEOs. Whilst I was offered the opportunity of being number two at Carla, yeah. I thought it would be better at this <laughs> stage to go my own way and left after 27 years. So, wow, wow. boy and man at Banner Homes. Okay, okay. So, um, just, after the, just after you left, I'm sure that you had a... Uh, what did you do? Well, after that, I had an 18-month period where I had to keep away from right. competing with Carla well. under the normal non-compete clauses. Mm. What, that was quite interesting, actually, because I started advising a number of companies, including one which floated on AIM, which was going to be a residential investment company. Right. That had a bit of a difficult start, so it wasn't successful. But it had opportunity if it could have raised more money. I also advised um, a number of private equity companies who were buying house builders at the time. 
And I got involved in advising one house builder which had been doing modular homes mm. and had run into difficulty and right, it had lost okay. its um, stock market flotation. Right. So, so it, it had lost its um, quote in the stock market mm. because the chairman resigned and the nomad therefore resigned. So it was suspended for 30 days and I was asked to come in to help get it back onto the market. But that didn't work because we really didn't have enough time mm. due to a lack of financial information on this company. Okay. So it's sadly... Can you say the name of the company? The company was called Mars City. Oh, right, okay. I've heard, yeah. And Mars City was at one stage a, um, a darling of the stock market, being a small house builder. It had great ideas to build modular homes and had got quite a number of sites. But sadly, things didn't pan out the way it was desired. The company then lost its float um, quotation, and ultimately, um, it was um, it's either ceased trading or it's in a very different form because I moved away okay. from it. So, how long was it before you left Manakala? And let's set up trying. 18 months was my period I was, I was having to keep out of the market. Did you and last the full 18 months? <laughs> well, the day after the 18 month period expired, um, we launched <laughs> Troy Home. So, oh, right, okay. so we managed, I managed to last the 18 month period. But during that period, I also looked at other opportunities because I saw the benefit of launching an existing house builder, or I should say um, growing an existing house builder mm. rather than starting afresh. The problem when starting a house builder afresh is there's a long gestation period as you buy land and you build before you sell. Right. So you are going to run for a, perhaps a couple of years at a loss, mm. whilst if you could buy an existing house builder, you could then grow it and reshape it, right. but it, it's already trading. Instead, I took the hard job of starting afresh, which means that you have to start from the basics, find a name for the company. Right. Searching a name for the company wasn't easy because every name we came up with, somebody else had. Right. So I was watching uh, Troy, the film. Right, okay. And suddenly thought, well, that could be quite interesting. Why don't I try Troy Holmes? Cool. And lo and behold, <laughs> Troy existed. Troy Holmes could be um, our new company. It, it demonstrated quality because mm. those who know Greek mythology will know that Troy was a wonderful city, yeah. um, had a great history, right. and building a great quality product. So mm. why not have that? I couldn't use the design, the Greek words for Troy, mm. because Troy uh, in Greek they don't have the R, so right. it become toy homes. <laughs> so I had to move away from it being a Greek mythology name into ultimately using a more traditional wording. But that was how we came about Troy Homes. So when you decided to go it alone and, and set up right from scratch, what was your vision in the, let's say in the short term, what, what did the first 12 months? We mapped out what we would like Troy Homes to achieve in the first uh, first three years, because okay. 12 months is a little short, short for a house builder. We had some very good investors, those who knew me from the Banner Homes days, who saw this as an opportunity to benefit from my success with Banner Homes. Mm. The idea was to mimic 
a lot of what Banner Homes did right. in being yet another quality house builder, mm-hmm. trying to continue to exceed customer expectations, but pricing homes between half a million and one and a half million pounds, right. rather than getting as high up the price ladder as we did at Banner, which was near four million pounds. And what's the, what's the region? The region was going to be more similar to the original region of Banner, which was going from Buckinghamshire through Hertfordshire, North London, and then moving towards Essex. So it was the northern side of the M25, but going outside of the M25 itself and continuing not to go into central London and really not going beyond Zone 2 because that wasn't our expertise. The... Key was to find enough sites to get Troy Homes building and growing at the right pace. And that's always the difficulty, finding sites and then funding the sites. So starting afresh meant that everything you did would impact on the next day. So each day we had to find the sites, we had to find, create a website we ha- I had to go back and start doing basic accounting again. Right, okay. Because to cut costs, I had to be the accountant as well as the CEO. Hands on. Hands on. Um, sleeves rolled up mm. in the hope I could find someone very quickly to take on this yeah. role. Because <laughs> I clearly was very rusty at it. Yeah. Um, so we set up a website. We found um, initially a couple of sites with planning and permission, which meant that They're not the best to maximise margin, but they would enable us to get going quickly. The skill that we had at Banner Homes, and I particularly focused on, was designing the product Mm. to suit the customer as part of the objective of exceeding customer expectations. Right. So we spent a lot of time looking at the first two sites, designing the plots to maximise the value and maximise the benefit to homeowners, creating um, cupboards and for storage for homeowners, where we could have utility rooms, utility rooms, okay. creating large kitchen family areas for living in, but separate quiet space for those who wanted to keep away from the clatter of the kitchen family room. So this focus was very important, having enough parking, and that continues to be the objective of Troy Homes. Mm. We want to and we must try to exceed customer expectations. That way we will get the best value for our homes and achieve the best results, making our shareholders happy and our customers happy. Mm. So we came in to to find this gap in the market because Carla Homes had taken Banner into a different direction and therefore there was no one who replicated banner homes in most of these areas. Right, okay. I guess Carla were pushing more volume. Carla were pushing for volume. Carla were coming down market. Mm. They hadn't really upgraded the specification from banner, which was now out of date. And we needed to get the spec right in order to meet the demands for customers today. So when when you're building your team from scratch, in an ideal order... Yeah, what disciplines do you put in first? The key for me was to find a really good land director mm. who had a wider skill than just land so that he could help find architectural and engineering skills 
and if we need any planning input, could bring in the right people there. Right. So I employed Adrian Bohr, yeah. who joined me in October 2015, yeah. my first employee. We had a very small office in Enfield, which held about three people. Right, okay. And we then started looking for land. Mm. Then we needed a builder right. because the next job was ensuring that we could build the product. Okay. okay. And then we needed a little bit of sectoral help because, frankly, we were a little bit um, overwhelmed with the amount of work we had to do. So having got a builder, we then started with a technical team and then later employed um, Sever and ultimately a sales director who was initially part-time. And Karen, my sales director, then became full-time about a year later. Right, okay. So we were growing the team from land mm. and then following the disciplines of building and selling homes. Right, okay. We also needed an accountant, my accountant, who's currently my finance director, Adrian Cook, started mm. again part-time. Right. He had previously been a finance director of a regional house builder, was working for a housing association who didn't want him full-time. So it worked very well. He could take away those horrible um, tasks that I really Mm. were rusty in um, doing anymore. And so the team was partly part-time, partly full-time, stuck in a small office, Mm. raring to go. Spending when you need to spend and... Spend, keeping our overheads down, because one of my major shareholders was very concerned about overhead. Yeah. And he was a great supporter of what we wanted to do, mm. but wanted our focus to be on land and not on luxury. Yeah. So it was very basic as we started. Okay. Okay. Oh, I think so many companies go right there, and also so many companies go so tragically wrong at that starting point. So in terms of starting luxury homes, you know, the kind of the big question is, you know, who would launch a new SME in the current marketplace? Obviously, you've gone and done it. When you first began, what were some of the, um, you know, really positive things that happened that kind of kept the energy moving within the business? When I launched Troy Homes, it was at a time where the industry was saying SMEs were struggling and SME house builders were pretty much dead as all the volume players who were growing or the medium-sized players who would then try to become a volume player. Yeah. So we were launching a business which, if anyone looked at it on paper, would say it would struggle based upon the performance of others. So I needed to have good experience on the board. Stuart Baisley, who was previously um, a non-exec director of Van Holmes and who um, I knew from the days when we were both directors of NHBC. He was also, and is still, chairman of the HBF, the Home Builders Federation. So Stuart joined me and offered to invest in Troy Homes, which was a great thing to do because it demonstrated support in both providing time and providing financial help. So I thought we had got a good team together, good investors and a good board. So that was an exciting launch. Getting a website up and um, Mm -hmm. going was a great launch. Finding the first two sites 
you felt really great. This business was getting off the ground. Getting our first sales board up on a site with the name Troy Homes yeah. was brilliant. It was just it was just the start of a new business. You felt mm. you were right at the beginning and you're growing something afresh. I've never done that before in all the years. It was hard work, but it was exciting work. And you were seeing the launch of this new business. The baby was being born. So you can't get more excited than that. And as you work towards the first show home and open your first show home, that is just really exciting. But you must understand the pressure because there were many out there saying, well, what's Richard going to do this time? Mm. Will it work? What are the problems he's going to experience? And so there were a lot of people trying to see whether this great hype Mm -hmm. was going to deliver um, as hoped. And the show home went very well. This was in Hitchin. There's a lovely show home. Of course, we can always do better. And of course, there's a learning curve. Um, there were um, issues in timing of getting the product built on, yeah. on time and in cost. But that's part of the learning you go through yeah. in a new business. But exceedingly exciting times. It just, and I think we're about to touch on it, but... As anybody knows who's worked in the house building industry for, for any times would be, you know, it's not normally plain sailing for everybody. But what were the or what are the what are the bumps that you've experienced? Well the you're absolutely right. There's no, it's not plain sailing and you can sit in, in this industry and say, Well, why did I choose this industry? Surely surely there must have been somewhere better to be. Mm. So the highs is creating the product and delivering what you want to achieve. The lows are, at times, dealing with banking. <laughs> banking for a new SME was extremely challenging. Right. I thought I'd come from a business, well, I had come from a business in Banner Homes, which had been trading for 20-odd years. I've been in the business 27 years as I said, from finance director mm-hmm. to MD. We had a great track record, even in the recession. And I now started a new business and hoped that the banks would back Troy Homes as if I was in Banner Homes. Right. But they didn't. They took a view that you're in a new business and we're going to look at it as a new business. But they're prepared to look because of who I was. They said they were bending um, their normal rules for SMEs in order to help me off the ground. Mm. But frankly, it meant that it was extremely difficult for a house builder to start up. You had to put up all your money first. You had to, they wanted guarantees. They wanted money put into a secure deposit account. Mm. It was extremely difficult Mm. to get going because of the banking pressures. Not only were the banking pressures difficult, you had to go through what they call the condition precedents, CPs. And anyone who knows that knows how frightened they can be because there are so many obstacles before the bank was prepared to lend. And some of these obstacles were difficult to achieve in the time period you had because you were buying a site and you wanted to build on it. Right, okay. And you needed bank assistance to be able to grow the business. We got there, 
We got there in the end, but it was very hard work. So that was probably a challenge. But I must contrast where we started to where just we... To, just to go back, I work in the industry, not well, work on the industry, not in the industry yeah. per se. The condition presidents, yeah, what, what would some... So what they would be doing is they would set out a number of issues you have to achieve before they're prepared to lend. Mm. So they want to have reviewed the legal agreement, mm. but they may not like something in the legal agreement, so they want it changed. Right. You can't always change it. They might not like a covenant in the legal agreement, but we think it's not a problem, so we get insurance. They then don't like the insurance. Right. They want to have all your professional appointments approved by them, but they want to add on certain clauses which your architect and engineer don't want to give or their insurers don't want to give. So it's a battle to go through all the detail to be able to get into a position for the bank to be prepared to lend. And some of these issues are not real risks on the bank because we are still putting up our money first. Mm. So the chances of a bank wanting to claim off an architect over an issue or deal with a reliance letter, which is many um, years Mm. out of date, is remote. But without it, they were not prepared to lend. But what I want to contrast is that to where we are Mm. today. That was where we started in 2015. Today, I'm just about to sign a new banking facility with HSBC. And this new banking facility provides us with what we want. There are still CPs, condition presidents, to deal with, and some of which I might feel less comfortable about. Mm. But we've got much greater support and much great, and it's much easier to now draw funds, and the bank will take views on things that cannot be delivered. Previously, they were saying, either provide it, or we don't provide the money. As we grow, we need to work in partnership with the banks, because if they don't provide money on time, we then have a hole in our own funding. So we are now in a much better situation with HSBC, and I hope that continues. Mm. We've also got a greater track record, and we could go out to others. Mm. But we did, one of my loads was really over falling out with an old historic bank who had worked with for a while, right. where they just could not sort out the CPs. Mm. I had to go to a, one of my investors, Eric Gadsden, who then provided the funds for the sites because I had to pull out of the deal with one of the clearers. That was a real low. It should never have happened. One of the directors now at the clearers has taken a view that it was an error on their behalf, but the bank should have done more to avoid it. So that was a low. Other lows, if I don't say planning... Right. <laughs> They'll think, um, everyone will think I must be mad. Planning is a real low. It is so difficult. You think you've got a planning permission and then you go, you want to implement it. Clearing conditions can be difficult. Making minor changes can be impossible. It takes so long. It is not a pleasant experience. When we buy a site, we want to get building. We need to turn over our money. And if the planners put up obstacles, and sometimes they're obstacles merely because there are no planning officers to review the drawings. Right. 
if they had people there to do so, they would be able to approve what we've asked for. Mm. I can assure you, everything we ask is to improve mm. the product, not to dumb it down, not to make it less usable. We try to improve it and ensure customers will enjoy it and it'll be a great place to live for our customers. But dealing with planning is awful. I hope if the planners have enough staff that things can improve. Government really need to invest in the planning um, system, especially if they want us to build more homes. Out of interest, your opinion on whether the government will or won't invest in that planning system. What do you think will happen? I think there'll be a lot of talk, which Mm. there already is. It needs local authorities because it's a local plan issue to deal with things. Too much is ending up going to appeal Mm. and there are are insufficient inspectors to deal with appeals. Mm. So appeals will be going out to 12 to 15 months. Government is now investing in more inspectors. Mm. But frankly, if we got it done right at the local authority end, we could improve things. Mm. What the local authorities have been doing is taking larger sites and granting planning permissions on larger sites because then they invest their time in one major project rather than, say, 10 minor projects. But for SMEs, we need the small sites. We don't want the large sites. We need to be able to get planning permission on these small sites. And most customers would like to live on small sites rather than move out of their locality into larger sites, which could take many years to develop. I think government has got to find a way to um, put, ensure more resources are given to the planners. Mm. We're prepared to pay more for a planning application right. if it would give us the right result. Mm. We all agree with the idea of pre-planning applications, which is the opportunity to send drawings to the planners in advance to get feedback. Mm. We want that if that can help deliver a quicker permission. Mm. But what happens often is it can either take months before the local authority will look at the pre-plan application, which means you're holding up your whole application, or they comment on it, you then put it in a new, a proper application in based upon the pre-plan, and they change their minds. Mm. We've got a great site in Epping, which is currently a derelict commercial site, so it fits perfectly in to being a scheme that should get residential permission. Epping are woefully short of new homes. Mm. This site sits almost on the station. So it fits perfectly into what Epping should seek as a residential scheme. We went through a pre-app. We got exactly, we got the scheme in line with what they wanted. Admittedly, we might have added just a few more units Mm. to the scheme, but pretty much it was what they wanted. Mm. We put the application in. After months, it's been refused. They wanted us to withdraw it because they changed their mind on the scheme. Mm. And now they've just refused it, so we are going to go to appeal. Mm. So this site, which ought to have started in the summer of 2019 as a new scheme, will probably be delayed more than a year. Mm. Why? It should never have happened. It's the most perfect residential site Um, It would provide much-needed homes for young people, focused on young people. 
got great transport facilities, but that type of thing is what we have to deal with. It means as a small business like Troy Homes, we've invested a few hundred thousand pounds into the planning application, and that money is now at risk. Yeah. Again, SME house builders don't have the resources to mm. do that. Volume players can spend more money on um, promoting planning applications. We need to ensure our money is very much directed on schemes that are going to achieve a quick result. Yeah. So that's very disappointing. Yeah. I have to say, I live in a Greenbelt area which has just lost its status. And suddenly planning applications have gone in for 200, 300, 1,000 units. And, and as a resident, I'm thinking, yeah, we need more homes. You know, smaller developments, 20, 50, I, I could live with. It's another discussion for, for another day, I think. Well, I also agree that where government has encouraged Greenbelt development, there seems to suddenly be a huge amount in specific areas the problem will be how easily will those homes sell because there'll be such a proliferation of new homes yeah so that puts it puts under pressure again particularly a small house builder mm. because the small house builder is unlikely to build as cheaply as large house builder yeah so we will have a um, higher build cost and we can't sit on homes, mm. nor can we sell homes at a great discount in order to deliver sales. Mm. Whilst a volume player could take a different view because it might say, well, my northern homes will compensate for any mm. reduced prices and my southern homes. Mm. We don't have that flexibility. If we don't perform reasonably well, uh, the banks will be disappointed, the investors will be disappointed. And as an SME, it would hit us hard in order to grow the business, would lose confidence in with our partners. So that's it again puts us under greater pressure yeah. or a higher risk than volume players, which is again why SMEs struggle. Okay. Look, I do want to continue this discussion. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I want to get into that in a lot more detail. But the, the, this particular episode, what I want to understand now is your your vision for Troy Homes in in terms of taking it forward over the next three, five years? I want Troy Homes to be a successful SME house builder. Mm. I want it to grow to ultimately become a medium-sized house builder. So we're currently, our turnover currently is around £30 million. Ideally, I want it to be over £100 million in the next few years. To do that, we need the right sites. We need to get the right planning permission. We need the right team. And one of the big focuses for me is to grow this business as a team business. Mm. It was the style I used at Banner Homes, and it is what I consider to be the most successful style, because then all my staff buy into the vision and feel a part of the business mm. and want to see the business grow. And they can all make intelligent and useful help decisions to help us ensure we achieve our objectives. Mm. But it all starts with land and then planning. So we need more land. We've got um, investor funding. We've got this new bank facility, which will help us. Um, it's now just the pressure on getting the land, particularly land planning. And um, yeah. so the hiccups with planning hurt us more than if you're a volume player. But we'll get over those. And we may find our growth is a little bit slower than desired but it will be there. Mm. And then in a few years' time, 
it may be time for me to bring in another MD, right. somebody who then can take over the business mm-hmm. and do what I did back in 1999 right. in taking Troy Homes forward, either as a public quoted company or through private equity funding and growing the business even further. We've started a great company. We've got great objectives. Mm. And with this foundation, we can be a really successful business in years to come. And that's what I hope I can look back on and say I've achieved. Okay, fantastic. And look, just one final word of advice from you and one final passing shot. If you could go back in time and give Richard one piece of advice when entering the house building industry, what would it be? Well, well, there's two things I want to say, first of all. One thing is that part of the vision I would like to achieve, just before I answer that question, would also be to find ways that we as an industry can modernise. Because we're small, we can never be the guinea pigs to help modernise the industry. But having been in the industry for 30 years, mm. there are many improvements we should try to achieve. And modular homes is, is one of those um, ways we can go. Okay. If we can build, particularly if we are building on small sites, a, um, a development within a few months rather than a year or more, then we create a, um, a re- we'll create a really successful business. Mm-hmm. But modular is still quite new. It's still got challenges, particularly in getting warranty providers to insure right, because okay. without warranty, a proper warranty, customers cannot buy because they can't get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So the industry is still, um, the modular industry is still in its infancy. And it really needs those like the NHPC and others to start embracing the new way forward if the modular industry has a chance to grow. And I'd like to hope that Troy Homes can be part of that and we can demonstrate our difference in the future by building homes in months. It will reduce disruption to neighbours, it will reduce a carbon footprint in building homes. Mm-hmm. It will enable us to create even more efficient homes because the modular homes are very, very thermal, thermally efficient. Mm-hmm. So sorry about that slight gap. That's, okay. that's, no, that's, that's, okay. that's a bit boring, but it, I think it's an think exciting it's opportunity. Yeah. Out, out of interest, what are tro- we might as well carry on, but what are Troy Homes doing with regards well, to... Well, we at the moment are watching what's going on mm-hmm. rather than actively doing... I uh, separately have been working with a German house, um, a German modular house builder right. to create a very good product and it would be imported initially and ultimately the desire was for the German company to set up a manufacturing base here. Right. It's been extremely successful in Germany. Um, they've built many, many homes which have lasted for many years but we can't yet prove that they satisfy the 60-year NHPC standard because they've been only around for 50 years. So that's been um, a little bit of a a concern. But they fit the Troy Homes mould in that they don't just provide box modular homes. They Mm. provide homes you want to live in, beautiful shapes. They can be passive, so they are using very little energy. It is a way forward and 
perhaps in a few years' time, we will get there. But today, today we are still not there, sadly. Okay. So going back to your original Jeez, question. Okay. <laughs> okay, you want to... Yeah. Shall I go back to your original question? Yes, go back to my original um, question. So what piece of advice, if you could go back in time, would you give Richard now when entering the, the house building industry? Well, my biggest piece of advice, it was a great thing to do. I try to advise young people today on where, what business to go into. And the first thing I say to them is you have to really be excited about what you want to do. You Not only must you be good at what you want to do, you must have a flair for it, but you must, all be, you must be, also be excited by it. It's a simple concept that if you might love football, but you can't play football, so don't go into football. But if you're good at something, you're really exceptional at something, and you enjoy it, that combination is creates the perfect chemical balance of choosing what you want to do. Then, if you can drop in the other item of can you make money out of it, you've got the perfect, perfect mix. So it's actually called, because others have invented this, it's called the hedgehog concept. It's where you get three interconnecting circles where you have passion, where you have skill and where you can make money and where all three intercept, you've got the perfect, perfect business. Now, that is what house building did for me. I could understand it because I had a home. I was passionate about it. I was a secret designer and therefore enjoyed trying to maximise the look and design of homes. And in the end, fortunately, made some money. So it was a great combination. But is it easy? No. Does it have lows? Yes, definitely. Do you ever feel that you should do something else every so often when you have to deal with a planner, when you have to deal with a utility provider, when you have to deal with an issue on site which was unexpected, a hole in the ground which shouldn't have been there? Yes, you can think of better things to do. When it's cold and wet and you're out on site, Yes, you can think of better things to do. But at the end of the day, when you see the finished product and you look at what you've created and the legacy and what you've left, you can't, you can't find a better, a more exciting business to be in. Richard, on that final, final piece of advice, thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure meeting you. You're welcome. Cheers. Discover how to build your UK house builder business and attract the top 15% of leadership talent using one-to-many platforms, automation, and 24-7, 365 proven digital strategies before your competition. Be sure to subscribe for more podcasts from the Good to Great series, featuring leading voices from the UK house building industry, from small to medium businesses to leading PLCs. Don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content possible. For more information, call 0203 800 1080 or check out www.hc-group.co.uk and book a client or candidate blueprint strategy session.